Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. All right. Please turn your copy of God's Word or on your digital portable device. Click on Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We're taking it all the way back today. Genesis chapter 1. Hope you all can find that easily enough. It is the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. We are, though, however, plot twist starting in verse 26. So 26, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father God, we give this time to you now as we look at your word. We seek to hear from you, for your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to that leading and that we would see what you would want us to do with your word and how you would want us to apply it to our lives. And it's in your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So, I have on my notes brief intro to the game of Dungeons & Dragons. I put that on there specifically because I could probably talk about it for hours and hours and hours and hours, for those of you that know me. And initially, I wasn't even going to preach this series at church. Originally, I was going to be writing it and designing it so that I could speak at a camp this summer. I'll be speaking at a camp in June over the course of a week to 5th graders through 12th graders. And I had designed it all and laid it all out that way with that in mind. And then I got to thinking, why not church? Why not church? And I thought, but it isn't relevant at church. Ultimately, I decided because we said discipleship has kind of been our theme, or is our theme really, for this year, that this series really will work in tandem with that. And so I scheduled the first one to drop today, only to then later realize that it is relevant, incredibly relevant, because there's literally a Dungeons & Dragons movie that came out last night. This weekend is opening weekend for that. So you can liken that unto what you will liken that unto, but it all came together and it all worked out. Those of us that know and love the Lord probably believe that there was a little bit of divine interaction involved in all that process, but I digress a bit. So Dungeons and Dragons is a game that's been surrounded in mystery for 40, 50 years at this point or more, probably closer to 50 now, or even longer at the origins. And unless you've played it, you probably don't know a lot about it. Because I know when I first started playing it years ago, I was surprised at what it was. There was a lot of negative things said about it in the uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And then it kind of petered off and went away. And then it came back, surged back in, into culture. And 
And when I try to describe Dungeons & Dragons to people, I tell them very simply that it is essentially Yahtzee or Monopoly with community theater mixed in. And a dash of math, because math is fun, right? Who doesn't love math? But that's what it is. You're sitting around a table, you're playing, created these characters, usually from a predetermined set of attributes. And you take these characters on an adventure that's designed by a person known as the DM or GM. And in Dungeons & Dragons, they're a DM. In all other tabletop playing games, usually they're a GM. So you'll hear me use those terms interchangeably. Not on purpose, they just really mean the same thing. So remember, file that one away. It's especially important tonight. Because, as I said, while you're on this adventure with these characters, and you're accomplishing these tasks and missions, and hopefully learning and growing and becoming better adventurers and better people, at least that's always my goal when I run games, there are other people that choose not to, and that's, I think that's where some of the negative stuff comes in, is that there are people that like to play it in not good ways. I, however, definitely, much like the Lord of the Rings and things like that, can see the redemptive elements of it. And if it's used appropriately, like any tool, it's beneficial for growth as a person, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually even. So, you're on this adventure. This adventure is led by someone who is known as the GM. They have been likened unto oftentimes as the lower G, God of the universe that's created. The person who designed the adventure who has laid it all out, who has created everything in it, and who is facilitating the adventurers going on this adventure and ultimately telling this story. And ultimately, just as the GM or DM is responsible for creating, running, and rolling the game, so is God too responsible for doing those things in our life as well. In fact, tonight, as we look at the earliest parts of the Bible, way back in Genesis 1, we find and we see that God does all of those things in creation, and we see that with Adam and Eve. And this particular book, Genesis, was, we believe, written by Moses much later, but it is a book of beginnings. It's the start. That's why the title of the first message in the series is Roll for Initiative, because in Dungeons and Dragons, as your characters are navigating different relationships and scenarios and going through dungeons, Almost without fail, they're going to encounter a battle against some kind of monster or something that they're going to have to fight. And at that point, that is the beginning of the fight. The, the DM or GM says, roll for initiative. See who goes first, essentially, is what that means. It's the beginning of the series. Genesis is a book of beginnings. Again, you see how this all fits together. And as we look at this book of beginnings, we roll for initiative on this series, and we start out on this adventure with this GM we know as God, we're going to see in Genesis three ways that God is, in fact, the GM or DM of our lives in Genesis 1 through 3. So as we look there, and we started out in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we saw the first way that God is the GM or DM of our, our particular lives in our story is that he created everything. He created everything. Just like the GM takes a setting and he either takes a a pre-written one or designs his own, he essentially creates and molds and makes the setting for these things, to everything really, to take place. We see and we know that God created everything. We have that account here in Genesis chapter 1. He takes us through it. Now, we pick up, the first 25 verses have been God creating the entire setting. We see in Genesis 1, 1 through 25 that he's created the heavens and the earth, 
He created the firmament, the physical part of the earth. He created water. He created the stars. He created all the different layers of the heavens. And he created and, and, and essentially established the physical earth on which we stand and move and live our lives every day. He created all of it, as well as all the other planets that are out there. He created everything. He created our world. It's the world within that we move and interact and have our relationships and reach to, to hopefully reach our goals that we're striving to accomplish and hopefully growing as people and leveling up, as it were. That's a future message, by the way, in this series. As we grow as people, this all takes place on this world and in this world that God has created. And we see from the very beginnings of Genesis chapter 1, he created our world. He also created the flora and fauna within it. So the plants and animals that we consume, that we eat, uh, if we have pets that we have relationships with at home, he created all of those different things. Or if we tarry the relationships that he has with our plants, um, that is, he created everything, all the plants and animals and all of it, much like in D&D you encounter different creatures. Of Some are aggressive and hostile, and some are borderline pets, depending on how you want to run the game. And that's what we see here. He created the plants, he created the animals, and interestingly enough, if you look at the account in Genesis, we weren't eating the animals at that point. That would come much later. At that point, they literally were just pets that we kind of cohabitated with in Genesis before the fall. So we see that God created everything. He created the world. He created the flora and fauna, the plants and animals, all the different things around us. And he created us. He created us. We see that beginning in verse 26, where we see God creating man and woman in his image, the imagio Dei, the intellect, the emotion, and the will, and giving us what's called a personality. And we know that personality comes from him and that he has personality because personality can't come from nothing. There has to be a source, and that is God. And he has personhood. He creates, he created us. We find that also, just like when we play D&D, the GM or DM is the one who says, yes, you can play that kind of character in this particular game and setting, or no, you can't. And there could be a myriad of reasons why the GM or DM might say you can play or can't play this or that character. And just like that, God very specifically designed men and women in creation as he designed them to be and intended them to be. And he says, this is how I am going to make them. And this is how they are to be. And he very, very specifically created them in his image. And in this particular account, it gives us a brief overview of that whole thing when he did that. We find that he created them in his image and he gives them a job to do. He says, this is your task to have dominion over the earth, to take care of it. Much like when we do an adventure with D&D, we go on an adventure, we have to uh, do something, accomplish some kind of a task. You don't just sit around in a, a tavern, that's to use the, the cliche starting point for those adventures, just like a, a public meeting spot of some kind, social gathering point. You don't just sit around and talk, though you can. Typically, that's the starting point for some kind of Great adventure, we're going off to rescue someone, or save some town, or fight some monster, or do something like that. It's something that we're, we're called to do, and the adventurers have a call to action, and God's call to action for us is to have dominion over the earth, and to take care of it. And he says we're to take care of here even the livestock and every creeping thing on the earth. 
and he, he tells them to be uh, fruitful and multiply, to have families and to grow and expand. And he says he gives them everything. He provides for them as well. Much like, again, GM Dan provides for the players opportunities for the characters. He sets the world. And he doesn't say, just figure it out on your own. He provides things for them to move the story along and to help uh, help them grow and progress as characters. Or if you're a more combative GM, he likes to take the characters out. But God doesn't work that way exactly. That's for another time. What we see here is that God created everything. The world, the plants, the animals, us in his image. He gives us something to do. And it's something that we need to remember as people. And the reason is because as people, we tend to try to live outside of what God has established for us. As people, sometimes we try to live in a way that's not in accordance with how he created us. And there's a lot going on in the world today where people are just kind of clawing and grasping and trying to figure out how they can do life without God. And it should break our hearts. We should be moved by it. There are people that are so bent on living outside the boundaries of how the Creator has established them to be and to live. Because he's created us all in his image to reflect him. To reflect his personhood. God created everything. And it all begins and ends with him. And as believers, we need to remember this. We need to remember who is the great creator. And the image that we're made in. That is one of the reasons why I didn't plan on sharing this, but it really ties in with our four-year anniversary and our ministries. That's the reason why as christ Center Combat, our ministry is self-defense. It's literally to help people take care of themselves, keep themselves safe, keep their loved ones safe. And when I have anyone who has any kind of an inkling to be a chucklehead and get aggressive and want to use that to hurt people, I nip that in the bud right away. Because that's not what we're here to do, because people are made in the image of God. And violence should be a last resort as a means of self-defense. And we should do everything we can to live at peace with one another, as Paul tells us, later on in Romans, and that's why what we do is designed to be self-defense and not offense. Because we believe that people are created in the image of God, and we live that way. God created everything. We see that's the first way he's like the GM or GM of our lives. Everything that we have is because he put it into being. The second way is this. Much like a GM or GM creates everything within the game of Dungeons & Dragons, he also sets the rules. He doesn't say, okay, everybody just do whatever you want. We'll see how that works out. I've seen cases where there aren't really many rules, and sometimes there are hurt feelings, and people do things that hurt one another and affect one another. And that also is the reason why God puts certain rules and laws into being, and he gives us the word of God. He tells us how to live according to it. God sets the rules in our lives. We see that in chapter 2. If you flip on over to chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. What we see there is God has created everything. He created man in his image. He said, this is what I want you guys to do. you got to take care of everything. Have dominion over it. Be fruitful and multiply. And ultimately, you'll bring honor and glory to me through that, and everything will be good. And then, in chapter 2, verse 15, we find that he essentially gives them the rules of how to live in the garden. Much like we get the rules in Dungeons & Dragons. We know what we can and can't do, and what's okay and not okay at the table. So we see verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 
You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now the quickest way to make sure that you have a very short adventure in Dungeons and Dragons is to do exactly what the DM or GM told you not to do. That is the fastest way to make your adventure really short and to watch everybody else play the game. And really, with God, he gives us sets of rules in his word how to live and how we should live. And there are reasons for that. And the great thing about God is that there's no mystery regarding the rules of life and how we should live. He tells us all of it in his word. Now, if you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons and you have a DM or GM who doesn't have, uh, doesn't know all of the rules, and is playing fast and loose with them, it's very confusing, very disconcerting, and you don't have much confidence in that particular game or that particular DM or GM because things are just changing all the time. But with God, we know what he says we should do and how we should live. And he makes that clear. And he tells us that. He communicates that. And it doesn't change. He's very consistent. Because he's perfect. And he tells very specifically in chapter 2, Adam, this is you guys can eat anything that you want in the garden whatsoever, except for one thing. This is, this is the house rule. This is the only thing that you cannot eat, and if you do it, there are going to be consequences. And they're going along, and of course we know the story, and we've all heard the story, that Eve encounters the serpent, who is Satan. Uh, he, The acronym for him, which we're going to have a whole message series about, is called the BBEG, the Big Bad Evil Guy. We're going to have a whole message about Satan, the BBEG, in our lives. And he pops up in the Garden of Eden from the very beginning, and he convinces Eve to do the very thing that God told her not to do. And then she goes to Adam, and Adam says, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Sure, I'll do that too. And he does it too. And they disobey. They break the rule that's been established. God gives us these rules. He knows all of the rules and is very consistent with them, and they never change. So we can trust God and have confidence in him. And he makes these rules for our benefit. Because we know, if we know the story of creation and Adam and Eve, that things get real bad real quick. And we live in a world today that is real bad because it all started there. Because God gave them the rules for their benefit. He said, don't do that. If you do that, it will be bad. Things will get bad. And they said, I'm going to do what I want anyway because I want to do it. And why should anyone tell me I can't do something? Far be it from us to ever think that, right, folks? Yeah, right. So he gives us the rules for our benefit. He is consistent with them and he enforces them. There are consequences. We're going to look extensively at that very shortly. But he enforces the rules. We can take God at his word. If he says there will be some kind of a consequence, there will be some kind of an outcome because you did something, he follows through. He is definitely not like a DM or GM who says, okay, if you do this, this is going to happen. And it says, ah, I was just kidding. I'm not really going to do that. I'm going to spare you. Well, there is a way that he has worked that out in his system by design. Again, we'll look at on the consequences. But he is consistent. He enforces the rules. We know because he is sovereign and in control of everything that no matter what we do, he is good for his word, the Bible. And what's really fascinating about God's rules and the fact that he gives all of us, all of them to us so that we can know what the rules are and we can know how to operate and function as believers in Jesus Christ and as people in general he gives them to us in his word, the Bible. 
Now, when you play Dungeons & Dragons, there is, believe it or not, a rather large book that has all the rules for the game in it that almost no one reads. It's called the Player's Handbook. But if you want to know how to do something in the game, it's all in there. What you can do, what you can't do, what's okay, what's not okay, how to move and function and do everything that you need to do within the context of that game. And much in that fashion, we too have essentially what I like to call the Disciples Handbook, the Bible, which has all of the rules in it of what God says that we should and shouldn't do, how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to do, how he created us, how we, how we share about the message, and all, everything about being a believer in Jesus Christ. It's all in here, much like the player's handbook that Dungeons & Dragons players don't read. Many Christians, may I say, unfortunately, probably more than do, don't read this either. And then we wonder why we don't live the kinds of life, or we don't live the kind of life that God wants us to live, the best life that we can. And we have the Disciples' Handbook right here, but we've never cracked it open. We've never read it. And it's sad, because it's all there. It's all there. So he gives us the little rule book. We know, we can know how we should live. He sets the rules for our benefit. He knows what they all are. He's very consistent with them, and he enforces them. He follows through on his word. So we see God is like the DM or GM of our life in that he created us, he created everything. He set the rules, and then much like I already alluded to and mentioned, he does a third thing. God hands out consequences. Much like the good GM or GM who says, if you do this, this will happen. If you choose to, to break one of the rules or do something that you know that you shouldn't, something bad is probably going to happen, and then there is some kind of a consequence. And in fact, funny enough, a good DM or GM will often, often say, when a player is going to make a questionable choice, are you sure you want to do that? And I've said that way more times over the last four and a half years than I would ever imagine that I'd ever said. Are you sure you want to do that? And God, he does that as well. You know through the Holy Spirit, when you're about to do something dumb, something against God's word, something that's sinful, the Holy Spirit goes, are you sure you want to do that? And sadly, more than we would care to admit, we go, I'm sure I want to do that, even though I know it's dumb. And then we do it. And then there are consequences, much like with the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Turn over to chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So, God has enforced the consequences. He says, okay, you ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I'm good for my word, so as a result, there are consequences. They fell. They fell. First, beginning in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3. And the Lord God made Adam, or made for Adam and his wife gar garments, uh, excuse me, garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword. It turned away, or turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So they sinned. God put the curse on man and woman. And the curse, of course, for man was that all of a sudden work would be really hard. And really, I mean, men and women, we all know work is hard, right? We go to work because that's how God has given us to provide for us. But it's, it's exhausting. Can you imagine Adam working all day and not even being tired afterwards? Man, that would be great, wouldn't it? But, unfortunately, that's not an option because of the curse. Now, we get tired, we get exhausted, we get worn out, 
and we do that through work. And then, of course, he cursed the woman with uh, pain and childbearing. And then he cursed the serpent, and it's all there in that passage in between. Now, what I find fascinating about this is God hands out the consequences. We realize that these are just consequences. He told us what to do and what not to do. He said, are you sure you want to do that? And then we did it anyway, and there were consequences. And they are just because they're deserved, they're earned. There is a, a cause and effect there. Because God doesn't just punish us or abuse us because he thinks it's fun. In fact, that's uh, I've run into some not great DMR GMs that really enjoy punishing the players because they think that's fun. I personally do not. I, it bothers me a lot. And I know that, that God, in our lives, he doesn't go out of his way to punish us. He's not some big cosmic meanie or bully. He says, okay, this is how I've told you to live in a way that benefits you because it keeps you safe. It keeps you from the consequences that come with sin. And as a result, you chose to go outside of those bounds, and now you have to live with those consequences. They're just consequences. But they're also consistent. They're also consistent. He doesn't just punish us outside of the bounds with which we sin. Again, he's not a big meaning. And what I love about this passage is that even in this context of consequences, God shows them grace. Because one of the things that happened when they sinned and fell is not only did work become hard, not only did childbirth become hard, not only uh, did all of those things happen, not only were they cast out of the garden, but they also realized that they weren't wearing clothes. And you might think, you might just pass over that and just go, well, okay, that's just what happened. But it's very important to notice something here because everybody thinks that God is the big meanie bully in the Old Testament. And that's simply not the case. Because what does he do here for Adam and Eve? We see here in verse 21 that even way back in the first three chapters when Adam and Eve sinned, he still shows them kindness. He still shows them grace. He still shows them, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And what's even more fascinating is that he took his completely innocent creation and sacrificed them in order to make the clothes for Adam and Eve so that they wouldn't have to have shame with their nakedness. So it was a sacrifice for their sin way back even in those first chapters in Genesis because God loved his creation, loved Adam and Eve, and he showed them grace in spite of the fact that they would be living with the consequences for their sin. Because God is a loving God. And just because he hands out consequences does not mean that he does not love us. Like a good parent, he lets us experience the results and consequences for our sins so that we see why it's so important that we don't do it. He designed the consequences justly. He's consistent with them. Yet he shows us grace despite those consequences. We see that sacrifice much later on as we look forward to celebrating next week in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason, and it might sound oversimplistic, but it's not. The reason he resurrected was because he had to die first. And much like we see here with the sacrifice of the animals that were made into skins for Adam and Eve, we too experience Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sin, for those consequences, so that we don't have to live separated from God forever, so that we can have a relationship with him. He shows us grace. But we still live with those consequences. Every day when we get up in the morning and it hurts to start our day, we ultimately live with the consequences of original sin. 
And yet in the midst of consequences, there is grace. And a loving God who created our lives, all of them, who gives us the rules for our benefit and safety, and then lovingly hands out consequences when we choose to do dumb things. And that is a God that we can know personally and one that we can love with all of our heart. Go ahead and bow your eyes and bow your eyes, excuse me. Bow your head and close your eyes for me now. As we reflect on and think about God being the creator of everything. He created everything, he calls the shots. As you look at your life, and you look at the adventure that God has you on, are you trying to do it according to God's rules and the things that he has given you, the boundaries that he's given you in his word? Or are you trying to live life and play the game your way? Because I can tell you, if you're trying to live life, trying to go on this adventure of life outside of what God has given you for the boundaries, it's going to end in pain. What I want to encourage you to do now as we think on this and reflect on it is, first tonight, tell God that you recognize that this is his world. And we just live in it. Say, God, I know you created me. You created everything here and everything that I have and everything that you've given me is ultimately yours. And I'm just on the adventure here. I know you are in control. That's the beginning, folks. It's recognizing that it's God's world and we just live in it. And then next, I want to encourage you. Tell God that you know that he made the rules for this world and that you're going to follow them. Because they're for your own good. Say, God, I, I know that sometimes I don't want to do the things that you want me to do. And it's, it's difficult and it's a struggle, but I know that you gave me these boundaries for my good, for my safety, for my growth. And I'm going to do everything I can and ask for your strength, Lord, to follow the rules and the boundaries you've given me. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to make a decision that you're going to seriously take, spend some time learning more about how to play the game of life from the disciples' handbook. Say, God, I'm going to really try to dig into your word. I'm going to, I want to see how you've called me to live, the boundaries you've given me. I want to know them and understand how best to go on this adventure of life. I'm going to read the disciples' handbook. And I'm going to get to know you better. I'm going to get to know your son better. I'm going to get, get to know how to live life better and how to have victory in this adventure. Father God, thank you so much for loving us, for creating us, for giving us the boundaries and ultimately loving us enough to give us consequences. Thank you for showing us grace and mercy and sending your son Jesus Christ to be sacrificed for our sins. So that we can have a good relationship with you. And we can be with you forever in heaven for all of eternity. And Lord, I pray as we look toward Easter next week. Toward celebrating the resurrection. And the fact that we can have spiritual power and vitality. Through that resurrection, I pray that we would remember that you're in control of it all. And ultimately, that we would love you and worship you and we would give you the, the, the glory and honor associated with you, God. 
And we do all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Go forth and preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.